I just preach most of my message to you in that prayer. That's my, that's my prayer. That's the goal this morning. As we come to Father's Day, I realize this. I, 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 I rewind in my life, and I, have you ever come to that place where you've gone back and you said, what would life be like if I didn't marry that person or didn't make that decision or didn't move here? Anyone else ever been there? Wonder what life would have been like. Come on, anyone? I was just thinking and reflecting going up to Father's Day, thinking about my children, thinking about my wife. What would my life be like if I didn't come to Jesus and experience his love in my life? What would it be like if I was living without hope, without the truth, and without knowing who he is? What would my life be like if, if I didn't know this love that is so great, so extravagant, so amazing? What kind of father would I be? And I realized something. I can't be the father God's called me to be without Jesus. I can't be the husband God's called me to be without Jesus. I can't be the person that God has called and created me to be without my whole life just being given to him, without relying on him. And, uh, and so that, that grabs my heart today. And I realize God has, wants to bring me a lot further than I am today, and he wants to bring you a lot further as well. But where would we be without him? And I just know this. He wants to bring us further. He wants to do something deeper in us and through us. And what he wants to do is he wants to reveal his heart to us today through his word because this is the goal of this passage of Scripture we're going to look at today on Father's Day. You know, for me, I grew up for most of my, my childhood years, my idea of a father and a father's love was completely shaped by my earthly father. And just like many people in the room, um, I spent a lot of my time without my father. I grew up in, in, in a large part in a fatherless home. I saw my mom working multiple jobs. I saw challenges and other things, and at different times had challenging relationship with my, with my dad. So thankful that that relationship is healed and been restored, and and uh, and, and I love him uh, dearly. But I know that for many years, when I was a child, so much of my life was shaped by this broken view of a father. Has anyone else ever been there? And what I found is that when people wanted to come and start talking to me about God, and then they'd use a word like Heavenly Father, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like they were saying a good word and a bad word, all mixed up here. Heavenly, okay, that sounds good. Father, uh, that doesn't sound great. And for many of us, we've allowed our view of God to be shaped by the natural fathers we've had or not had in our lives. So maybe you've grown up in a fatherless situation, and so the idea that God is a heavenly father, you say, okay, that kind of makes sense because I don't ever see him. So, yeah, he feels distant. He feels away. He feels foreign to me. And what we do is we start to believe that our heavenly father operates like our earthly fathers have operated. That's not true. That's not the case. Instead, it's the opposite. God desires that in the heart of every father is his heart. That in the heart of every father is his love and his compassion. My greatest prayer is not that I would be a father. Take the greatest fathers in this room. I would love to learn things from you. But I want to tell you that I could learn something from every great father in this room and I'll still be incomplete. The greatest thing I could learn is to have the heart of my heavenly father for my children, for my family, for my spouse, for my life. And I'm talking to dads, but every single one of us, we need this today. We need the heart and love of the father and to understand it and to grasp it. What's unfortunate is that there's so many people 
in this world, so many people, even in the church, even in this church today, that we can come to church, we can be good people, we can have good moral standing, we can do what we think is right and do all the right things, and we cannot curse or cheat people or do anything, and we can think we got it right, and we have, we have it all figured out. But I tell you, just like Jesus said to the rich young ruler, there's still one thing that we might lack, and it's the love of God flowing through our lives. Here's what I've realized. We can know a lot about God. We can know a lot about religion. We can know a lot about scripture. We can quote all these verses. You could even speak in other tongues, and you could be void of the love of God flowing through your life. You can miss it all. You could just become, you could become like a, what, what, the, what I know Pastor Carter at Times Square Church says, we could become a goatless, grumpy Christian, that we don't have no goats, that we are just very religious, and, and we don't have any joy or love. Or peace, if we're honest. But it all comes through this deep awakening to the love of God. And we, we're confronted with this in, in Luke chapter 15, if you'll turn there with me. We're going to spend a few moments looking at this. Because we need this love down in our hearts. We need this joy that can only come from the love of God to flow out of our lives. As we come to Luke chapter 15, this is a story about the love of God. This is a story about the great lengths that God will go to for you and for me. This is one of the greatest passages of Scripture you can read if you want to understand what Jesus has done for you and what great lengths he went through to die for your sins. And Jesus tells this story as an answer to a, a ridicule that's happening to him. There's a questioning and a confusion that's filled the heart of the religious people. You'd think the religious people in that day, they thought they had God all figured out. The moment we think we have God all figured out, we, we got to be careful. We might be leaning into that camp. And, and, they, and they thought they, they understood what God liked and what he didn't like and what he had, and they thought they had it all right. And then here, here comes Jesus, and Jesus is this guy. He seems like a rebel to them. They don't understand because he's doing things that make them uncomfortable. And, and, and now they're uncomfortable, and they're thinking, if I'm uncomfortable, then God can't be in the midst of this. How many of you know God didn't come to make us comfortable, right? And so they look at Jesus, and they're like, they're watching him. And in Luke chapter 15 opens up where it says, all of the sinners, tax collectors, and notorious sinners were coming to listen to Jesus teach. They're in the front rows of Jesus' messages. Everything he has to say, they're just coming front and center to hear and to experience it. And it made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain because he was associating with such sinful people, and he even ate with them. When you sat and ate with someone, it was a sign of welcoming them. It was a sign of receiving them unto yourself. And if they were, if they were wrong, you were guilty by association. You were unclean by association. Your status, who you were, everything was indicated by the people that you allowed yourself to be surrounded with. Same is still true today, I think, in many ways. So what's Jesus doing with these broken people? And so Jesus begins to speak to them, knowing that this is in their heart. And he wants them to understand something. He wants them to have a revelation. That's why he used word pictures and these stories. He needs them to know the love of God. He needs them to experience it. He needs them to feel what God's heart feels towards these people and towards every single one of us here today. So he told three stories. One was about a lost sheep, one was about a lost coin, and the other one was about a lost son. And on Father's Day 2019, I want us to look at this story about this lost son. We begin to learn that it's not just one son that was lost, it was both sons were lost. 
and I want us to understand and have a revelation of God's love. Jesus begins his story by saying, a man had two sons, and the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate early before you die. And the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. This right here, if we'll pause for a moment, this is very, very uncommon. Could you imagine today pulling up to your parents' house? Your dad's still alive. They have some kind of retirement, some kind of savings. Your father's retired. He's living off that. And you show up and you say, hey, dad, I want my share now. You have two children. Divide it up. However you're going to divide it up. You have three, we have three kids. I want one-third of it. Cash it out. Give it to me now. No, son. Um, you, you, you get that whenever, whenever I die. Well, you're as good as dead to me anyways. I just want what's mine. Give it to me. That's what, that's what he's saying to his father. Father, give me what's mine right now. Could you imagine if this was demanded of someone? Today, if there was an inheritance that your children were going to receive, and one of your children came and said, cash me out right now, you'd have to think, well, I might have to sell the house. I have to drain accounts. I have to move things around. I have to, to take whatever it would be. And in this day and age, the older son, if there were two sons, the older son would get two-thirds, and the younger son would get one-third of the inheritance. He is taking one-third of his entire estate, everything he owns, and he's giving it to his son. Could you imagine that right now? What would that feel like? He just gives it to him. And the Bible says within a few days, the younger son left town. He packed everything he had, and he abandoned his family. He said, you're all gone to me. You're done. He goes and he moves away to a different place, and he wasted all of his money on wild living. There's such a disgrace that's happened in this. I don't want you to miss this. Talk about those ideas where there are things that can happen and, and, and it affects you. There are things that can happen where if you've ever had a wayward child and they're making decisions that are self-destructive, this is a picture of all of that bound up here. Some of you parents, you understand exactly what this feels like. And what oftentimes whenever we see people that are living in a self-destructive tendency whether it's a parent that's doing that, whether it's a sibling, whether it's a child, whether it's a loved one, whether it's a friend, a family member, someone near to you, and you're watching that they've taken all of these blessings, all of these things that have come into their life, and they've wasted it, and they've squandered it, and they've hurt everyone uh, around them, and they've burned every bridge that they had. Have you ever met someone like that? Some of us that are here today, you say, that's me. That's been my story. I've lived there. I know what that feels like. They've wasted it all away. And there's one great lie that comes whenever that happens, isn't there? And this is what oftentimes people will say, I'm not hurting anyone but myself. Have you ever heard someone say that to you? And what they don't realize is they're not just hurting themselves, they're hurting everyone that loves them because their love is attached to them. I didn't realize this until I became a father, but one of the things that happened as a father, and maybe some of the fathers, mothers, parents in the room, you can sympathize with what I'm about to say. Have you ever had it where your child got injured and you were watching them? They hit their head, they fell, they did whatever they did, and when they hit, you felt the pulse of it in your own body? You cringed, you like could feel their pain as they were feeling it because you're so connected, you hear your child cry, and it breaks your heart like nothing else? Could you imagine what a father who's going through all this would feel in those moments as his younger son wasted everything in the family, everything in his inheritance, and he ran out of money? Verse 14 says that after he ran out of money, a great famine swept over the entire land, and he began to starve. So now he's become 
completely hopeless. Homeless, it kind of looks like here as well, because he's starving at this point in time. He doesn't have anything to lean on. And what he does in that moment, the, you know, there, there are many times that you'll hear this adage, that desperate times call for desperate measures. And it's amazing where desperation can lead people. For some, desperation can lead you to the right place, can lead you to God. But for so many, unfortunately, the more desperate they become, the more broken they become. And the more that they go lower and lower and they compromise themselves more and more and more. And this is what's happening in this story. This younger son goes to a length that would have been very scandalous in this day. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Imagine what the most degrading thing you could imagine in, in, in right now, in today's day and age, if, you say, if I left my job today and I could go to the, the most degrading thing, what would that look like? That's what this would have been. You see, for the Jewish people, for you to come in contact with a pig means you're coming in contact with a clean, an unclean animal. That makes you unclean to be associated with other people. It makes you unclean to be around God and to worship him. There was all kinds of processes that they had set in place for you to become ceremonially clean to go and worship. But for him, he was in such a humiliating job. That's all he had was he had to go feed the pigs. He's wallowing in the filth. He's completely wasted away everything that was given to him. He was a son that had such an amazing inheritance. He was an heir, and he went from being an heir to a slave, to a servant, to someone that's feeding pigs in the field. And as he's there, the Bible says that he's sitting there, and he's becoming so hungry that the food the pigs are eating looks appetizing to him. I want to tell you that when you get so broken in your heart, you can become so backwards that the filth of this world becomes appetizing to you. Do you understand what I'm talking about here today? There's someone here that you know what that feels like. Some of you, your heart's breaking because someone's not in this service today because they're eating from the filth of this world and it looks appetizing to them. And your heart's broken for them. God's heart is broken for them as well. Some of you are angry at them. You cut them off. Let's see how God responds. Let's see how the Father responds. But there's a moment that comes when I talked about this word revelation, that's, that's what's happening here. The Bible says in verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, come on, would you just click your finger with me right now? There's that moment, right? That moment of revelation that comes into your life where it's like a wake-up call. Come on, some of us, man, we were just one revelation away from death. If God didn't reveal himself, we didn't come to our senses, who knows where we would be today? We'd be somewhere else, broken, maybe even dead. But he came to his senses, and then when he had a revelation, this is what he had a revelation of. His first revelation was a revelation of how broken he was, of how ruined everything was. But his first revelation and idea was around religion, that I have an idea. He said, look, like the servants in my father's house, they don't even eat this poorly. They have food to spare. I'm dying of hunger. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I will go to my father's house, and I'm going to try to get hired by my father, and I'm going to go become one of his servants. I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. So this is this moment of revelation in his life. He says, I'm going to become a servant. I'm going to earn my way back into the father's house. And I'm, I'm telling you today, many of us, We've realized it. We've already felt the conviction in our hearts and lives. We've known that we've known that 
We're not perfect, that there are things that we've done that have shamed our past, that there are skeletons in our closet, there are issues. And, and as we've known that, you know, many of us, we don't need anyone to point that out because we've realized it on our own. The question is, what you do with that brokenness is going to make all the difference. And so many people can even fill churches. So many people can call themselves Christians. So many people can say that they know God and have a relationship, but their entire relationship looks like this right here. I'm trying to earn my way into heaven. I'm trying to earn my way into the Father's love. I'm going to try to earn my place before God, and it's going to happen by me working, by me humbling myself, by me doing everything I can. Because, and, and what we become is we just become servants. Not in the good term, not in the right term. We're becoming a slave to just trying to do all the right things and trying to fix our own lives. And what we do is we get all the right clothes, we speak the right language, we become as morally good people as we can become. But what we don't realize is that we're doing all those things and we've never yet fully had a revelation of God's love. We don't get it yet. There's so many that we are trying to have this idea of a relationship with God solely based on our own good works and what we can do. And we're trying to claw ourselves out of the pig pen. We're trying to clean the filth up in our, own, in our own way, in our own shape, in our own goodness. Can I tell you something today? That's the most futile effort in the entire world. You can't ever make yourself good enough, clean enough, right enough in your own way, in your own strength. It's just, it's just impossible. It's not going to happen. And so this young man, he, he feels like this is what I got to do. And you know what, as, as you hear that and as we think about that and as Jesus is speaking, let's take a pause here and let's just remember who Jesus is talking to. You can come on up, Pastor Rick. He's talking to a group of religious people. As he's talking to these religious leaders, this is kind of how the religious institution had been established at that time. You get right before God, do the right things, climb the right social structures, and we'll get there. And so as he's coming back home, he's coming to try to earn his way into his father's house in many situations, in many stories, the story goes completely different from here on out. What you would normally expect in this kind of story is as he walks forward, as he walks up to his dad, he gets to a gate, he's filthy. Maybe they say to him, um, we're going to have to go clean up. Let's go hose him off in the back. Let's do something. He smells terrible. He literally leaves the pig pen in the filth to walk home to his father. How I'd see it go if his father is a well-to-do man, he has servants and other people around that are tending to him, he has a large estate, let's make sure he's presentable before he gets before his father. I'm sure his father's like, go take care of him before he comes and sees me. He gets all washed up, he, he throws something on him, and he comes and he humbles himself at his father's feet, and his father stands there waiting. Yeah, come on, what do you want to say to me? Can you imagine what you've done? Look at what you've wasted. You're not even my son anymore. Could you imagine all this stuff that could be said in that moment? Some of us have heard those words before. Some of us have said them to others. That's how the story would normally play out. But Jesus tells in a completely different story because God's love isn't like our love. God's heart isn't like our hearts. God's, God's love isn't held back and withheld or restricted. Here's how the story goes, friends. When this boy returned to his father, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, and he was filled with love and compassion, and he ran to his son, he embraced him, and he kissed him, and his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
But his father cut through his apology, cut through his statement, cut through his rehearsed speech. He said, no, 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 it's none of that. Let's just pause right here and let's realize the weight of what's just happened. The father, a Jewish man, who could probably smell his son before he saw his son from that far away, ran to him, embraced him in his filth, hugged him and kissed him. He became undignified. He became unclean in the eyes of the people around him because the father's love and heart compelled him to go and do what no one else would do in that moment. That's God's love. That's his heart. That's his feeling towards you in your brokenness, in me, in my sin. That's how he loves us, church. He doesn't wait for us to get cleaned up before he accepts us. He doesn't wait for us to get it all right, and then he'll love us. He loves us right where we are, friends. But here's the deal. He loves us too much to let us stay there. He says, quick, quick. He says, here's what I want to happen. He says, bring my finest robe in the house, and he put it over him. This robe was a sign of his love, his honor over his son. But you know what I also see in that moment? His son was filthy. I could imagine everyone looking at him. In that moment, they look at him and they say, look at what, oh, he's, he, he looks terrible. He looks broken. Have you ever been in that place where you look like a shell of your former self? And he says, I don't want anyone to see that. What I want to see them to see when they look at you is I want them to see me. And then he just wraps his robe around them. Now they look, they see the robe of the Father over them. Do you know in your brokenness, when you turn your heart to God, the Bible says that he covers your sins. And whenever we look now, he doesn't see your sin or your brokenness. He sees his image. He sees Jesus covering you. He then says, now take my ring. He takes off his ring and he puts the ring on his son's finger. It's a sign of authority. It's a sign of him being restored. It's a sign that he stands in this place. He doesn't owe anything. He gives him the ring. And the final part, he takes these sandals and he puts the sandals on his feet. You see, servants were not allowed to wear sandals. The difference between a son and a servant is sandals, friends, believe it or not. And he said, take sandals and put them on his feet. He is not a servant. He's a son in this house. That's what happens when we encounter the incredible, amazing, relentless love of God. He pursues us, he loves us, he runs to us, he embraces us, and he rescues us from our brokenness. He washes us and makes us clean and right, and then he celebrates. He doesn't sit there in condemnation over us. He doesn't make us go through all these motions and, and penance. He sees us where we are, he rejoices, he receives us to himself if we humble ourselves before him, and he rejoices that we're found, amen? That's the revelation of his love that I need in my life. That's what he did for me, and that's what he's done for you. And if you're trying to earn it today, you're missing the whole point of what Jesus came to do. He receives you if you're willing to come to him and turn your heart to him. He's willing to go to incredible lengths to humble himself and to die even on a cross, even to be seen as cursed and unclean, hanging on a tree. He did it because he was willing to defile himself to save you and to save me. That's what he'll do for that which is lost. But I told you today that that son wasn't the only lost son in the house. I found that from this story, you don't have to leave the farm to leave the father. 
And you could be in the Father's house and you could miss the Father's love altogether. So there's this other brother, the older brother, who, if you think about it, everything in the house now, everything that, that the father owns belongs to this son. When that father dies, everything goes to the older son now because that's the way the inheritance was split. When he comes back from his time in the field, the Bible says, there is a giant celebration and party going on. And his fattened calf, that's his father's, but one day would, would have been his, has been slaughtered. There's a giant celebration. There's singing, there's dancing, there's rejoicing. And he comes and he calls one of the servants and says, what is going on? And they said, your brother has come home and your father is celebrating and we killed the fattened calf and we're having a great time. Come on in. And the brother becomes enraged. All of the brokenness, all the frustration, all that his younger brother cost him. And now they're throwing a party with his resources, with his future inheritance. Said, why do I have to share from mine with him? Look what he's done. He's wasted it away. And he decides, I'm not coming into the party. I'm not going to join into the joy. I'm not going to join into what's going on. And he stands there grumpy, goatless, broken on the inside, and he doesn't even see it. Chasing perfection. Having all the moral high ground, but having none of the love. And he stands there. And he's stewing outside, and the father comes out. And he says, son, come in. Please come in. He says, you, father, how could you do this? My brother, that son of yours, has gone off. He's wasted his life with loose living and with prostitutes and all kinds of crazy things. And now you bring him back and celebrate. And I've done everything right. And I've always followed your ways. And it's not fair. I'm not getting what's deserved to me. Have you ever felt that way? Lord, I've done everything right. I haven't strayed. I haven't done these things. And Lord, look at it. You're celebrating with all them. There's all that going on. What about me? We throw a pity party for ourselves. He was just as lost. He had no idea. You don't have to leave the house to get lost. His heart was missing the love of the Father. And the Father's began to plead with him. He says, everything I have is yours, son. Everything I am is yours. It's all yours. But we have to rejoice because your brother was dead and now he's alive. He was lost, now he's found. And the story ends there with this choice. Is he going to come in or is he going to stay out? And we don't see the resolution to that story because that's where Jesus left it with the, the Pharisees. They were the older brother. They were the ones that couldn't wrap their hearts around the love of God and what he was doing in that moment. For us today, this message is for those who stand in one of those places we need a revelation of the Father's love in our lives. If you've been trying to earn it, you've been trying to be a good enough person, maybe you've been living in the filth and you've been living in a pig pen before here. That's God's love. He's there. He's, he's, he's embracing you. Some of you, you lived a good life and you feel like you have a lot of, of, of things that you've achieved and you're good enough on your own and you don't need God. Today he comes, the Father comes and he pleads with you because that'll never get you there. That, that can make you successful in this world's eyes, but you'll never, ever, ever feel the peace and the love of God that he has until you surrender your life to Jesus. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning as we get ready to pray? I'm calling out to some lost sons today, to those who need to feel and experience the love of the Father. 
for those whose hearts are broken, who are humbled, who know that they've messed up and missed it. I'm talking to sons and daughters today. That today you feel judged and you don't know what to do. And, and yet you just, you're reaching for something. And today maybe you're saying, Lord, if this is really you, God, if this is your love, then I need it. I need it to wash over me today. I need it to fill my life, Lord God. Some of you have a wayward child, someone that you love that's hurting, and you're so bitter, you're so frustrated, you're so angry, and the only thing that can cure that is the love of the Father flowing into your life right now. Some of you are so angry, you're frustrated with God because you feel like you've been doing everything as best as you can and you're suffering in some way, and you need the love of God to flow into your heart and life and heal that and turn your eyes towards Him again that you can be filled with joy and peace once more today for every son, every daughter that needs to just have a revelation of the Father's love. It comes through His Word, but it comes through His Spirit, bringing it into your heart and life. Today, if you need Him, would you just lift your hands to heaven? I want to pray for you. Oh, Lord Jesus, you see hands, Lord. You see hearts that are being lifted before you at this hour, Lord God. You see those, Lord God, today who need the grace and the love that can only come from you, Jesus, Lord God. There are those today that need to be washed and baptized in your love. There are those, Lord God, they've, they've strived to be good Christians and good, good fathers and good husbands and good moms and, 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 and good sisters and, and wives. And yet, Lord, there's been a numbness that's come over them. There's been a callousness that's filled them, Lord. Lord God, and today your love is calling and breaking through. Lord, wash us in your love today. Fill us with your love today, Lord God. Help us to have this love flow through us, Lord God, because it's filled our hearts and lives. Help us to have eyes to see the way that you have seen us, Lord God. And Lord, help us to know that as you saw us, Lord, in our brokenness, you didn't leave us there. Today, Lord, we just surrender our whole lives to you afresh and anew. Lord, I pray that you'd wash over each one, Lord God, that you'd fill us afresh and anew today. I'm going to say a prayer today. It's a prayer of salvation. It's a prayer of turning to the Lord. Some of you today, you've come to your senses in God's presence. You know that what you've done is broken and, and you can't get there on your own and you feel far from God at this moment. I want you to know the Father is reaching for you right now. The Lord is reaching out to you. And if you're willing to humble yourself before him, if you're willing to call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says he will save you. The way you do that is you need to acknowledge the filth, the sin, the brokenness in your life. You need to make a decision. The father couldn't save the son while he was living in the pig pen. He had to make a decision to go home. If today's the day you say, Lord, I'm coming home. I'm leaving that stuff behind. I'm running after you, Lord. I'll receive you if you'll receive me, Lord God. If that's you and you need to come home, you just need to turn your heart towards Jesus. You need to ask him to come and to forgive you of your sins. The Bible says he's faithful to forgive you of your sins. So if that's you today and you need to do that, lift your hands to the Lord right now and just begin to call upon him. Pray this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. Pray, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. I believe that you died and that you rose again for me. And today I receive your love. Today I turn away from my sin. Today I chase after you all the days of my life. I will follow you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. 
Amen. Lord, would you just fill this house with your love? Would you fill every home, Lord God, every father, every son, every child, Lord God, where they know this love, the love that surpasses all understanding, the love that has been lavished upon us, Lord, as you say in 1 John 3, oh, what great love the Father has lavished on us that we are now sons and daughters. And Lord, we thank you that your word declares in Galatians that we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're sons and daughters and heirs, Lord God. May we experience the abundant joy that comes from our relationship with you, Lord. Pray your blessing on fathers this Father's Day, Lord. As we go from this place, Lord God, would you seal this love in our hearts, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God is good, church. Happy Father's Day. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. If you need prayer for anything, we'd like to pray with you. We're going to be standing here in the front. If you need to go, you're free to go. Please pick up some donuts and enjoy uh, all the festivities and have a great Father's Day. We'll see you Wednesday night, and we'll see you next Sunday morning. God bless you.